Here we go. Hey there, folks. This is your host, Cameron Ivey of Privacy Please, and thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. Tell your friends about it if you like it. If you don't, let's just pretend you didn't listen to it. Thanks again for coming in, and we hope you enjoy the show. then ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of privacy please i am your favorite host cameron ivy and i've got a another blogcast for you real exciting stuff here coming out uh just yesterday so sit back grab some popcorn don't be afraid to munch real loud because i can't hear you let's dive into this right now NIST picks four quantum-resistant cryptographic algorithms. The U.S. Department of Commerce, National Institute of Standards and Technology, has announced the first group of encryption tools that will become part of its post-quantum cryptographic standard. Oh boy. Let's dive in. At long last, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, which is also known as NIST, has announced the first four quantum-resistant algorithms that will become part of the post-quantum cryptographic standard. The chosen algorithms are Crystal's Kyber for general encryption to access secure websites and Crystal's Dilithium, Falcon, and Sphinx, spelled S-P-H-I-N-C-S plus. So hopefully I said that right. If not, my apologies. And that's all for digital signatures. Now, the post-quantum cryptographic standard, expected to be finalized in about two years, will help enterprises prepare their environments for the time when quantum computers will be powerful and readily available, enough that they will be able to break present-day encryption. Researchers estimate that post-quantum threats could be reality as soon as 2030. Attackers are also harvesting and hoarding sensitive information with the expectation that they can crack it later when quantum computing methods become available. Since the standardization project began in 2016, there's been a shift in attitudes towards PQC, and it is now understood as a critical part of a secure uh, future. Now, it is going to be exciting to see more and more applications and systems transition to this next generation of uh, asymmetric cryptography, said Peter Schwab, cryptographic engineer professor at PQ Shield, advisory board member in a statement, he said. So the NIST announcement comes after a busy few months. U.S. President Joe Biden has issued two related directives to foster better quantum technology research within government and to guide agencies to a post-quantum cryptographic standard. Any digital system that uses public standards for public key cryptography would be vulnerable to an attack by quantum computers in the future. A White House memo 
in January called for government agencies to identify any encryption not compliant with quantum proof standards and provide a timeline towards transition. The agency plans to include four additional algorithms before finalizing the cryptographic standard. The Schemes Bike, Classic, McFleece, HQC, and Psyche are all expected to be considered. That's not Psyche as in Psyche. It's Psyche as in S-I-K-E. Corny joke. Moving on. In practice, this means that CSOs need to take stock of their organization's ability to rapidly switch the cryptographic algorithms that underpin your data security without unpending your entire infrastructure, an approach commonly known as being crypto agile, says Edlin Tesquet, or Tesk, a senior expert with Cryptomathic, which specializes in cryptography for a e-commerce security systems. All right, and that is the end of the first hot topic in our blogcast in today's episode. Um, so again, just to give credit to where credit is due, this article is from darkreading.com. So if you've never been to that website, check them out. Awesome resource for privacy and security news. Really, really great stuff over there. So thank you guys so much for all the stuff you put out. And now on to the next big topic. Microsoft says a massive series of phishing attacks has targeted more than 10,000 organizations starting with September 2021 using the gained access to victims' mailboxes and follow on business email compromise, BEC attacks. The threat actors used landing pages designed to hijack the Office 365 authentication process, even on accounts protected by multi-factor authentication, which is also known as, say it with me, MFA, by spoofing the Office online authentication page. In some of the observed attacks, the potential victims were redirected to the landing pages from phishing emails using HTML attachments that acted as gatekeepers ensuring the targets were being sent via the HTML redirectors. After stealing the target's credentials and their session cookies, the threat actors behind these attacks logged into the victim's email accounts. They subsequently used their access and business email compromise, BRC, campaigns targeting other organizations. Now, a large-scale phishing campaign that used advisory in the middle AITM phishing sites stole passwords, hijacked a user's sign-in session, and skipped the authentication process, even if the user had enabled multi-factor authentication. The Microsoft 365 Defender Research Team and Microsoft Threat Intelligence Center said... The attackers then used the stolen credentials and session cookies to access affected users' mailboxes and perform follow-on business email compromises, BEC, campaigns against other targets. So the phishing process employed in this large-scale phishing campaign can be automated with the help of several open-source phishing toolkits, including the widely used Vigilance, Modushka, and Morena. Morania. Mori, Mori, Morini, Mori. Oh my goodness. The phishing process employed in this large scale phishing campaign can be automated with the help of several open source phishing toolkits, including the widely used Evil Jinx 2, Modushka, uh, 
and Morania. I hope I didn't botch those. My apologies. Hopefully you understand which ones I'm talking about. The phishing sites used in this campaign worked as reverse proxies and were hosted on web servers designed to proxy the target's authentication requests to the legitimate website they were trying to sign into via two separate transport layer security, TLS sessions. So using this tactic, the attacker's phishing page acted as a main in the middle agent that intercepts the authentication process to extract sensitive information from hijacked HTTP requests, including passwords and even more importantly, session cookies. And we're not talking about baked cookies, if you know what I'm saying. After the attackers got their hands on the target session cookie, they injected it into their own web browser, which allowed them to skip the authentication process, even if the victims had MFA enabled on their compromised accounts. So to defend against such attacks, Microsoft recommends using fish-resistant MFA implementations, which certificate-based authentication and FastID Online, FIDO, V2.0 support. Other recommended best practices that would boost protection, including monitoring for suspicious sign-in attempts and mailbox activities, as well as conditional access policies that would block attackers' attempts to use stolen session cookies from non-compliant devices or untrusted IP addresses. Now, while AITM phishing attack, uh, attempts to circumvent MFA, it's important to underscore that MFA implementation remains an essential pillar in identity security, Redmond added. MFA is still very effective at stopping a wide variety of threats. Its effectiveness is why AITM phishing emerged in the first place. So additional uh, technical details and indicators of compromise linked to this campaign are available at the Microsoft's report that I'm reading off of. So this is huge. This uh, article was credited by Sergio Gatlin, and we'll have the article linked below, but this is some this is some big stuff. So hope you enjoyed this and learned a lot. Again, we're going to have a separate episode where Gabe and I will be diving into both of these very large uh, stories and get a little bit more in depth to better understand this and, and what we're looking for ahead. So thanks for tuning in and stay tuned next week where we go a little bit deeper into both of these big topics this week. Thanks again for sticking around. If this is your first time, hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next week. Cameron Ivy, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to Privacy Please. This podcast is brought to you by Spirion, protecting what matters most. If you guys want to keep hearing us and supporting us, please, please, please email me at cameron.ivy at spirion.com. That's C-A-M-E-R-O-N dot I-V-E-Y at spirion, S-P-I-R-I-O-N dot com. We would love to hear from you. New topics, guests, all that good stuff. Support us. We love doing this every single week and we hope to continue. Thanks again for your support. And again, Cameron Ivy, over and out all around decent guy. See you next week.